0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10
1: per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and... Early odds with Joe Ostrowski.
2: Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45 yard line with no timeouts.
1: Oregon's got an All American field goal kicker.
2: Why didn't somebody tell
3: me? Chicago Sports Betting Show.
2: Touchdown, Ohio State there are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying you've
1: got to be kidding you kind of know what i'm thinking about
2: over or under
1: under would be the key word
2: A full slate of college football, even a primetime game tomorrow and Monday with Notre Dame. If you haven't heard You Better, You Bet, the first nightly sports betting podcast, 5 to 9 p.m. on the Radio.com app, which I'm a part of. You're going to get some of it here today on Early Odds. Before we get to betting these college football games this weekend, myself and Nick Costo's debate which team will have the NFL's best record?
3: These are the 10 teams that have the best odds to finish with the NFL's best record. This is via FanDuel. I will read them off, of course, because there are those of you that can't see it. Patriots have the best odds, of course, at 5-1. to one. The Chiefs, plus 750. Rams, plus 850. Saints, plus 850. Eagles, plus 950. Then we get into the Chargers at 13-1. to one. Baker Mayfield and the Browns at 15-1. to one. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, 15-1. to one. Joe's buddy Mitch Trubisky and the Bears at 16 to 1. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers also at 16 to 1. Joe O, if there is value on this list, where is it emanating from?
2: The value for me is on the Falcons, and they're down at 27 to 1. Offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter is back. They're working on that offensive line. There's been a couple first-round picks there. Now you do need to watch out for the right side. Uh, they had all of those injuries last year, including Deion Jones. Uh, Grady Jarrett was dealing with injuries throughout the season. I it, believe it was only- it was up
3: the middle, like Ricardo Allen out. Like that defense and- up the middle, defensive tackle, middle linebacker, safety. Like they were decimated on defense last year.
2: Right, all their best players. So I'm not taking too much uh, about what happened a season ago because it was over from the jump. And just the amazing part, I brought this up before on the show, you you have to look at schedule when you're looking for best record. What kind of path do you have? It still blows my mind that the Falcons will not play outdoors until week 11 at Carolina. So 27-1. to mm, 27-1, to I like that value there.
3: See, I don't even think that the Falcons are the best value in their own division to finish with the best record. You know where I'm going with this. Like, this is, like, way down on the board. I can't believe – like, <laughs> I, I, I think that books, desert, Vegas – this isn't a narrative.
2: No, finish but, your sentence. I think I think well, we were getting
3: there. I, but I oh, I, I can make it one if we want. All right, ready? In 2015, no one expected Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers to be good. And all they did was rattle off a 15-1 regular season and advance to Super Bowl 50. Last year, the Panthers started 6-2. and two. They had the look and the feel of the 15-1 and 2015 Panthers. And then Cam Newton's shoulder went... And so, too, did their season. And now, everyone is kind of looking at how the Panthers closed the season and saying, ah, that must be how this team's going to be this year. Well, not so fast. Because I, Nick Costos, am here to tell you that this Carolina Panthers team, this iteration of the Carolina Panthers, there's nothing finer than Carolina, even if Eli Herskovich is going to be there this weekend. This Panthers team will be closer to the twenty fifteen team that went fifteen and one than to last year's team that bombed down the stretch with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. The Carolina Panthers at fifty to one, I think, the best value to finish with the best record in the National Football League.
2: That's a silly number, Nick. 50? 50? Fifty? Fifty? With it, I mean, that's
3: what Eli told me. I mean, unless Eli's wrong. No, it
2: is. I, I saw it on the app as well. Also, another value play I'd like to throw out there. The Vikings at 25 to 1 is pretty good.
3: I have them, circ- I have them circled as well. Yeah. Dallas, Carolina, and Minnesota were the three that I had.
2: So we're uh, somewhat on the same page. But uh, yeah, the Carolina, double the value of Minnesota. That, that's crazy to me. I agree.
3: And this, it kind of scares me. I feel like everyone is so off on the Panthers that it makes me feel like I'm the one that's wrong.
2: You know how there are a few NFL analysts we all trust? A lot of them, you know, you kind of try to tune out the noise. Don't let it affect your process too much. Oh, yeah. one they of will the remain f-
3: nameless because we're nice people on the show, but yes. they exist.
2: But one of the few that I do trust is Daniel Jeremiah. Of the, he thinks, NFL the Panthers, great. he thinks the Panthers are winning the division.
3: Oh, that, you know, I mean, I to win the division. Yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna go into. No, they're I'm gonna saying, go 19, no.
2: <laughs> he, he's on board with you. What, what is the real ceiling? So, fifteen and one is way up there. But what is it for Carolina? What if everything goes perfect, healthy season, ball bounces the right way? What can they do?
3: Super Bowl fifty-four champions.
2: How many regular season wins?
3: That's so tough because, like, they're not gonna win fifteen games because, like, how many fifteen game Winner, like how many times has that happened in like since since we went to a sixteen game schedule? Like I could probably like you probably count it on what two hands? The the Niners did it in nineteen eighty nine. The Bears did it in nineteen eighty five. The Panthers did it. The Patriots did it when they went sixteen and zero. The Steelers did it in Roethlisberger's rookie year when fifteen and one. That may be. I mean, I may be missing like one or two others, but like there aren't that many others of fifteen and one seasons in NFL history. So like there aren't that many fourteen and twos. Fair. So, like, I would say that the regular season win ceiling for the Panthers is 13. I think it's more likely it's an 11- or 12-win team.
2: Last year, New Orleans and the Rams both went 13-3. and three, And the Saints had a win total of 9.5. The Rams was 10. In 2017, there were four teams that all went 13-3. and three. Now, two of them had win totals of 8.5, the Eagles and Vikings. So you, you could find some value here. When you're going through this, if you're going to play this prop, you probably have to consider, okay, which team can go 13-3?
3: I like the Cowboys, the Panthers, and the Vikings all a little bit at their numbers. Dallas 23-1, to 1, Minnesota 25-1, to 1, Carolina 50-1. to 1.
2: I'd flip Dallas with Atlanta, but I agree on the other two. Is there another one that jumps out to you as your favorite overall pick?
3: You know, as far as— for best record, yeah, I hate to say it to go chalk, but like yeah. the Patriots the, at five to one, like New, New England's the, winning twelve games, right?
2: To be the favorite, and the odds are five to one. That isn't horrible.
3: It's not bad.
2: Yeah, no, it's not bad at all. But I, I looked it down a little bit, and <laughs> you have an aggressive head coach. A couple years ago, they they did it, and they add to the offense. With oh, uh, Sanders, yep. and I Arcega think uh, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Howard's going to be there One, d Jacks, yeah, with Ertz and Alshon and Aguilar. I mean, how do you not love the Eagles at nearly 10-1? to
3: Because they're not the best you know, team in their own division.
2: That is incorrect.
3: What? And, and you do have some Cowboys easy victories
2: in that division. No. No yes. shot.
3: Cowboys will win the division.
2: Are you banking on a Wentz injury?
3: No. Am I banking on it? No. I mean I don't I don't want to bank on it, but like is it within the realm of possibility? Sure. Yeah, right? Of course it is. Yeah. you, you take Doug Peterson over Jason Garrett.
2: Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's
3: my Jason Garrett that's
2: pre- impersonation. Pretty easy. Yeah. The clapper. I don't know,
3: man. Like I would put a couple of shekels down on Dallas, Carolina, and Minnesota. And I will say this about your Falcons pick. The O line is stabilizing a little bit now. Caleb McGarry was the second of their two first round picks on the offensive line. You know he's got, and I don't want to get this incorrect here, but I think he has an irregular heartbeat. He has some condition with his heart that the team was aware of before they drafted him, and he ended up missing a bunch of time, um, in August and in July because of his heart. But he is back now at practice, and like the team knew about it when they picked him, so there's not like a surprise that it happened. If he's there, I think that all five of their offensive linemen are either first or second round picks. Like not all picked by the Falcons, but they all have high pedigree here. They were bad in the preseason, though. Like, they couldn't protect Matt Ryan in the preseason. But, like, on paper, like, that should be a pretty good offensive line.
2: You also add Chris Lindstrom, another first-round pick this year. And I mentioned both rookies are on the right side. And that's alarming. So early in the season, you expect defenses to try to attack them from that side. But what is a little comforting is uh, they're going to be next to Alex Mack at center. I like the Eagles and Falcons. Nick Costos sides with the Pats and prefers the value on the Cowboys, Vikes, and Panthers transitioning to college football insider Brett McMurphy from stadium appeared on you better you bet and I mentioned that you'd be really stepping out if for some reason you don't have Clemson in the playoff.
0: I've actually got them repeating to win the national championship even though history says uh, that's not smart only only two of the last 15 preseason AP number one ranked teams went on to win the national title. I just, I really like Clemson. Um, One stat that they've got going, which the only way they keep it going and make it nine years in a row, is they have actually finished the season ranked higher or equal to what they were ranked in the preseason AP poll. They started out number one this year, obviously. Last year, they started out number two and they won it. So despite history saying it's tough for teams to repeat, I really like them because again, they're not going to be challenged. After they get past Texas A&M and Syracuse, I mean, it's cruise control. Their biggest opponent for the rest of the year is Clemson. It's complacency. Um, I don't see anybody challenging them in the ACC title game. And then basically it comes down to a two-game season, whoever emerges from the SEC and what other Power Five uh, schools make it. But I know it's not sexy. I know it's it's Captain Obvious. But, you know, look, I just really like Clemson this year. I, I picked them to win it last year. I think they will repeat. Dabo's going to find something to sell to his Guys, that hey, you've got a chip on your shoulder. Nobody's respecting you, which, by the way, is a bunch of garbage. But that's what makes him <laughs> a great coach, and that's that's what he's got to do to keep these guys engaged all year.
2: It is Captain Obvious now. It only feels like only two or three teams that most could win the title. What other three teams do you think could be in the playoff with Clemson?
0: The four that I predicted is jump in line like everybody else. I've got Clemson, I've got Alabama, and Georgia. Because I do think both of those teams will run the table and then the loser of that game in the SEC title game, as long as it's not a blowout. If you don't like the SEC, I'm sorry, guys, but you're going to get two SEC teams. And then uh, I'm going with Utah for the four spot. For each of the last four years, at least one team that started the year out of the top 10 made the college football playoff. Utah, even though they're the favorites in the Pac-12, sit outside the top 10 right now. So I'm going to go with Utah over, I think, an Oklahoma team that wins wins the Big 12 over whoever survives out of uh, Michigan and um, Ohio State in the Big Ten.
2: Brett, the big game of the weekend, we get Oregon against Auburn down in Texas. What side do you like there?
0: You know, actually, I like what Oregon's doing this year. I like the job Mario Cristobal's done, and I, I think they've got a good future there, but I just think that Auburn is going to be too strong on the interior line, both offensive and defensive lines. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference. I know Justin Herbert, they have the advantage at quarterback. Um, He came back. I mean, literally Oregon's entire starting offense is back. But I just think this is a huge game for Gus Malzahn. You know, he's literally on or off the hot seat every other week. You know, he's back to calling plays. He's got freshman Bo Nix starting at quarterback. He called plays in that big bowl win against Purdue where they put up 50 points and almost 600 yards offense. So I think you're going to see more of that against an Oregon team that they've been lights out at home, but on the road they have really struggled. Um, Probably the biggest disparity of a top 25 program as far as home success and road failures. Oregon simply has not played well Away from Eugene, I know it's a neutral site, similar to last year where Washington stepped out for the Pac-12 and neutral site game. They lost. I think the same thing will happen to Oregon. I think somehow, some way, Auburn pulls this off. We're looking at three or three and a half, so certainly I would lay that number. I'm not going to take Oregon plus the number when I think Auburn's going to win this game. Um, You know, I see Auburn winning by 10.
3: I would love for Auburn to win by ten because I laid Auburn at <laughs> minus three. So that was so that was that would be great as well. Brett, Houston and Oklahoma, highest total of the weekend on Sunday, um, hovering around eighty, seventy-nine and a half. Last time I checked. Uh Dana Holgerson and Houston, can they keep this within striking distance against Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, and the Sooners?
0: You know, Dana has not had a lot of success against Oklahoma. He's he's never beat them as a head coach. Obviously at West Virginia he came close, including last year but has not beat him. I mean, for people that aren't familiar with Houston, Derek King, uh, one of the best all-around quarterbacks in college football, he will give Oklahoma's defense fits. You know, it's a ton of points. A lot of people are probably remembering last year when Oklahoma opened with a group of five team. That was Florida Atlantic. Lane Kiffin came into Norman. People thought it was going to be close, and it was blowout city from the opening kickoff. I think this is a much better Houston team. I would take the big number because Houston's going to put up some points. Uh, you know, earlier we talked about some unknowns with Georgia Tech. An unknown for Oklahoma is how much improved are they going to be defensively? They have 10 returning starters from last year's team, which, depending on your v- viewpoint, is either good or bad because they were just god-awful last year. But obviously new defensive coordinator Alex Grinch comes in. He did wonders when he was at Washington State. I think the Sooners will be vastly improved defensively, but I don't know out of the gate how much improved they're going to be. Oklahoma wins this. There's a good reason that number's that high. I would take the over. I would also take Houston, um, and the Sooners win in a shootout. And also, I want to see what um, Lincoln Riley does with Jalen Hurts, you know, because I know he is relishing at the opportunity to show people that he can win big with a quarterback that basically was discarded by Alabama.
2: Brett, Scott Satterfield comes over from Appalachian State to louisville they're looking for a fresh start all right welcome scott here you go you get the (laughs) island monday game and you get notre dame coming to town uh do you think the cardinals have a chance to hang around the point spread is 18.
0: absolutely i really like louisville they got 16 returning starters last year bobby petrino quit on this team and and quite frankly the team quit on on petrino it was a disaster this is the first time notre dame has ever came to louisville stadium formerly known as papa john stadium and uh, this is a huge game it's the only game on louisville will be jacked up satterfield did an incredible job at app state it's going to take them a while to get things going at louisville but you're getting a ton of points and you've got the notre dame team that maybe is looking a little bit down the road to a couple weeks down when they when they've got mm-hmm. georgia they've had some in recent injuries notre dame has i think they just want to get in and get out with the victory certainly i don't think there's any ill will there with Brian Kelly, so I don't think he'll try to run it up. I just wonder if Notre Dame's got the offense. They lost their top running back, their top wide receiver. Obviously, Ian Book's back. He had a, a monster year last year after he replaced Brandon Wimbush. I don't know if Notre Dame's got the offensive weapons to really put up a big number offensively. Uh, their defense was lights out last year until the uh, the semifinal lost to Clemson. I would think Notre Dame would win this game in a lower-scoring game, but I certainly like Louisville and the points in this.
2: That was Brett McMurphy from Stadium on my other gig, You Better You Bet, on the Radio.com app with yours truly and Nick Costos. Weird, but agreement across the board on those games. I also like Auburn, Houston a little, more so the over, and Louisville. Score listeners, you know Anthony Heron, and he knows all about the Big Ten. So we asked Big Ann Heron the big question: Michigan or Ohio State.
1: Until Michigan does it, until they prove it, I, I've got a hard time picking them, you know, regardless of how I feel about Jim Harbaugh as a coach. I think he's been a really impressive coach in his run there. The expectations at Michigan are just so high that we sort of have these these very sort of extreme views of what has and hasn't been accomplished in his time there. But between the two, because Ohio State has personnel returning, because they've hired a new defensive coordinator who I feel like is going to do great things there, Greg Madison, and working with the defensive backs coach and putting the defensive game plan together. So as of right now, while I think it's going to be really close and I think Michigan's offense is going to be vastly improved, overall I'm still going with the Buckeyes.
2: All right, we've got to ask about Iowa, of course. For those that don't know, that is uh, where Anthony Heron attended. Uh, What are your expectations for this season with the Hawkeyes? Because when we talk about the Big Ten, as Nick jumped into it, it's Ohio State-Michigan, and then, all right, maybe uh, Michigan State bounces back, they have a nice season, and then who the heck's going to win the other division? Nobody really knows, but I don't see many people talking about the Hawkeyes.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, the Big Ten West is as difficult to call as any division in the country because the, the way I've been describing it is trying to figure out whether or not the division is just competitive or if it's really great, you know, to have a competitive division is one thing where you can have a lot of really good teams and it can come down to the wire. And that's sort of how it looked like it was going last season. And all of a sudden we looked up one night and with like three weeks to go. Northwestern had won the Big Ten West division. And it was it was weird to see that happen because the Wildcats won no games in their non-conference and then just ran roughshod over the Big Ten West with a lot of close victories. But they continued to get wins. And that win where they clinched the Big Ten West division was in Kinnick in Iowa City at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, This season, the Hawkeyes do have maybe the most experienced quarterback in the Big Ten Conference in Nate Stanley. I think that's going to pay dividends. It's going to need to because they've got some really difficult road contests this year when you look at Iowa's schedule. I mean, even the nine conference, they've got the in-state rivalry game against the Iowa State Cyclones. That one's on the road. And then once they get into Big Ten play, they're going to be on the road over and over again against rugged teams like Wisconsin, like Northwestern. Uh, And so to have those types of foes on your schedule and have them all on the road, that's where Hawkeye fans look at last season and feel like it was a missed opportunity because you had a lot of those difficult games at Kinnick. They started off like five and one and then sort of fell off as the season went on. I do think, though, this season, the experience they have at quarterback, even after losing some of that talent at tight end two first round picks to the National Football League, Nate Stanley's game is going to need to go to another level. And the Iowa Hawkeyes just got big news where wide receiver Oliver Martin, who transferred over from Michigan, he, in what continues to be a very inconsistent process by the NCAA, he was granted immediate eligibility. So he should be on the field for the Iowa Hawkeyes this fall, adding more depth to a fairly young but a very talented wide receiver position. So there should be weapons available to Nate Stanley and then the three-headed monster they have coming back and running back. So there should be plenty of weapons for the Hawks to score points.
3: We're going to take Ohio State and Michigan off the table. I know you talked about Iowa, and maybe you, you like Iowa a little bit. I know you went there and you were t- talking about Nate Stanley. Can you make a case for any of these teams that may be flying under the radar in the Big Ten that you think could be in store for a big season here? And, of course, as gamblers, we will be looking to bet the over on these teams.
1: I'm surprised more folks aren't going, if not all in, maybe just dipping a couple of toes in the water on Michigan State. I think the Spartans have a big rebound season on the way, man. I mean, they've got the majority of their defense, one of the top defenses in college football, returning from last season and the defense was great. Now you add in the fact that most of the talent returns on offense and Nate Stanley isn't the only third year starter who's coming back into Big Ten this season. Brian Lewerke is as well. And his performance from last year, while he took a big step back from what he was the prior season when he was a starter as a sophomore at East Lansing, I've talked to Mark D'Antonio about this at Big Ten Media Days. Myself, I like you referenced Jason Goff, we do Big Ten this morning. We're on Sirius XM channel 372. Joe's been on the show with us before. And when we talked to D'Antonio, he made the case that folks kind of sleep on how injured, how banged up his quarterback was last year. And Brian Lewerke just kind of gritted his way through that for the majority of the season. Now, if for some reason he's not doing well, they've got a backup who's got experience as well in in Rocky Lombardi. And so I do anticipate big steps forward from Brian Lewerke, even though they just kind of did a shuffling of the chairs with the offensive staff. We're going to see how that works out. It's not going to be broad changes in the schematics of Michigan State's offense, but Mark Antonio tends to rebound from what's thought of as sort of a mediocre season, which last year was, and although the talent that returns wasn't that explosive last year on the field, A lot of them were hurt. A lot of them were injured. A lot of them were banged up. So that developmental nature that they tend to have in East Lansing, I see that paying huge dividends for them this year. I think Michigan State is really going to be a dangerous team when you're thinking about the overall picture of the Big Ten. When you get past Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan State I think is right there as the squad that's going to make a lot of noise in the Big Ten.
2: Sparty and a bounce back makes a lot of sense. Mark D'Antonio, has done it a bunch throughout his entire career over in East Lansing. I hope you enjoyed a taste of what we do on a nightly basis, 5 to 9 p.m. on You Better You Bet, radio.com app, if you want to check it out. I will be there Thursday and Friday this week. It moves around, depending on my schedule here on the score, from week to week. Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel is next on the score. Hall of Famer Lee Smith and John Lester among the guests. You could find links to the podcast versions of all the shows I do on Twitter at Joe0670. Best of luck with the college picks, and we get the NFL next week.
3: Call from mom. Answer it.
1: Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.